Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in this series that we're doing called Radical Living. Radical Living. And, and we're, we're using um, as a foundation for this First um, Peter, uh, primarily a verse in chapter 2, verse 12, that talks about living life in such a way that not only are, are we impacted, but the, the world around us is impacted for the kingdom of God. And that's really what this radical life looks like. And, and throughout the book of First Peter, he's giving us some ideas on, uh, on what that's all about. But for our scripture reading today, I'm going to pull just a verse. It's one of our old memory verses out of Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. And it's the first thing there in your bulletin. And um, just to sort of set the tone for the day, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly <clears throat> to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I was kind of drawn to that verse um, in particular for this, because when, when, you, when you see the uh, scripture we're going to be working out of today in First Peter, uh, the first verse is kind of a, a very interesting verse, and it reminded me of that verse from Hebrews. That's how they all got tied together. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's jump right in and look at that verse that we're going to be talking about today. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and I think uh, it kind of jumps right at you with this verse. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So uh, Peter is, is talking about now this, uh, this radical life that he's been talking about from, from the very first chapter. And in these verses, uh, I think he makes six very important points that I want to talk about in, our, in the few moments that we have together today and uh, all about radical living and, and the way that we can continue to live it out in our lives together so that not only are we changed, but the world around us is impacted for the kingdom of God. And the very first thing that he says that I, I told you caught my attention early this week as I was studying is, is point number one, the end of all things is near. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Now, I think that is a pretty interesting verse because I think 
how you feel about that verse is, is really, really revealing. Um, it's a statement that for a lot of people just kind of freaks them out because they, they don't want to hear that the end is near. You know, you always see movies and stuff with people walking around yelling, the end is near, the end is near, and a lot of the doomsday movies and stuff that they have are having this, and, and, it, and it totally freaks people out in the process. Um, on the other hand, I think that, that um, there are times in our life when we're going through some, some really difficult situations, and as Christians, we know that when Jesus comes back, that's a plus. And when we hear the end is near, I think our response is like, hallelujah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yes, God. The end is near. And so, see, depending on your perspective and where you're at, you can feel a lot differently about that particular statement. Um, and, and, and so it gives us the whole sort of spectrum of ideas. But in the context of radical living, which is what Peter is, is giving to us in this, um, I think that, that it's a concept that he's giving us to help us keep, get and keep our priorities straight. See, the thing is, there's only so much time. What really is important in your life? What really matters? What really counts? What's really worth living for? What is it that, that you put above other things that, that don't really matter? What is it that um, is, is the most sort of uh, top priority in your life? And, and is that thing the thing that God would have as the top priority in your life? Or, or are we getting sort of sidetracked? Or are we getting, you know, off track? And, and I'm not saying, you know, God wants us to recreate. He made the, he made the world for us to have a good time and, and recreate in and to enjoy and to be blessed and to do those things. But, but see, we can get caught up in pursuits of things that, that really aren't what God has for us. And, and we have to be looking at this thing all the time with that sort of concept that the end of all things is near. All things. That's pretty explicit. We've talked about that. It's near. Now, you can may well, you know, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. Still hasn't happened. It was near then. It's nearer now. That's all I can tell you. How near? I don't know. But nearer than it was then. <laughs> Just on the basis we're 2,000 years farther along, it's nearer now than it was then. And so, you know, what do we need to do? And, and, and how do we need to live and how do we evaluate our life? And, and are our lives impacting the world around us? Are we living in such a way that it makes a difference? You know, in 1 Peter 2.12, it talks about pre-Christians. That's not the word they use, but that's what they mean. Do our lives make a difference to pre-Christians? Or are we just living this thing out, even the Christian thing that we're doing for us? And, and that's the, the thing that we, we need to sort of talk about. And, and I think he goes on then, and, and he gives us in these few verses five uh, sort of important things that we need to hold in context and be thinking about all the time uh, when with that filter that hey there's only so much time and what are we supposed to be doing and some of you heard before some of them we'll, we'll just sort of touch on in different ways the first thing and, and remember I'm using radical on all of these and, and when I say radical I just mean not what the culture expects different the, the, the kingdom of God life is different than the life of the culture, way different. And so that makes us radical now. Um, but but it's, it's kingdom of God stuff that we're trying to live. So, so point number two, and the first sort of these points that he gives us for this, this concept, uh, is where we're going to call radical praying. Radical praying. 
1 Peter 4, 7 goes on and says, Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. See, prayer is such a powerful and important part of the believer's life, and yet it's often neglected, particularly in our culture. And the reason I think it happens that way is that we begin to think subtly, somehow, that we can get along without it. Um, there's a lot of places in the world where believers pray for everything because they have to. They virtually pray for every meal every day because they don't have them sitting in the refrigerators. Um, they, they, and, and, you know, they, they pray. And so they, they pray. They pray. Um, they, they uh, you know, a lot of my times that I've spent out in the mission field and I would go to places and literally be embarrassed because, you know, here we are coming in as the great missionaries and these people just, they got prayer over on us so bad that, you know, we prayed for 15 minutes, you know, before we left the room or whatever and they'd been waiting for us four hours on their knees with their faces buried in their pews. I mean, you know, and, and you just, you get so humbled um, because we, we don't, we don't often pray like that. And, and I'm not picking on it, and I'm not, I'm just saying that, that, that God in, in using us allows us to do other things that, that he's doing differently, and that's fine. But I want us to be aware of the fact that pretty much everybody needs to think a little bit more about their prayer life and their prayer time with God. That it's, I'm, I'm not saying this to, to, to you know, beat up on anybody. I think all of us need a constant reminder that we need to be a little more diligent in our prayer life and that it needs to be expanding and growing and it needs to become a, a part of our lives. Something that when you don't, when you don't have some sort of significant connection with God, you, you realize it and you miss it and you do something about it. It needs to get to that point on our lives. And yet what we often do is we sort of, again, these things go you know, we're just kind of moving along. We're not really thinking about it, and we get busy. And then what drops us into prayer a lot of times is a crisis. And then when we're crisis praying, we're pretty much just praying about us in the crisis. Now, it's not wrong to pray for you, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you pray for. Because um, some people say, well, I shouldn't pray for myself. No, I don't believe that. Part of the model prayer is, God, give us this day our daily bread. It's, you're supposed to pray for yourself. But it's in the context of praying for a lot of stuff and praying really about being connected with God. See, that's why I think it's so important. It's, it is the finest connection that we have, um, is, is being connected in prayer. It's, it's our connection with God. We did a whole series on this not very long ago called Get Connected. And, and uh, it was, we just broke down the model prayer, the Lord's model prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, sort of a line at a time, and used it as a guideline for prayer. Not just a bunch of words to repeat, but a guideline for prayer. Um, let me encourage you to go back to it. Think about it. Embrace it. Maybe try and incorporate it in your life. Um, you know, really think about uh, letting prayer begin everything in your life. Because um, really, in the kingdom, everything starts with prayer. Everything. Nothing happens without prayer. Not, it's not... It's not a good ideas and get up and go. It, it, it happens. It makes a difference with prayer. Now, we can get a lot of things, you know, sort of moving in our own strength, but it doesn't mean God's in them, but it's with prayer. So, you know, get in the habit of, of getting connected in the morning with God and, and sort of 
laying it out before him, your day. And, and you know, I, I just trying to think, you know, Daddy, you know, we, we talk about this being thankful. You know, we've talked about all that stuff, trying to get you connected with God. I start by trying to be thankful, and then I, I try and say, this is what I think my day looks like. What else you got going on? You know, I'm, I'm reporting for duty. I got things I need to do, but they can, you'll work them in. And, and you know, practice this radical sort of prayer in your life where you, you are earnestly trying to connect with God on a regular basis. And if you haven't been, okay, no, no beating up here. Just five minutes. Five minutes. Start somewhere. If you're doing five minutes, go ten. If you're doing ten, go fifteen. Take it just a little further. Just, just increase it a little bit more. Just to get connected with God. And then throughout the day, I, you know, the idea of prayer really is, is, is not just a one-time thing. We, we should get better at it so that we're kind of praying a lot all the time. Even while we're doing other things. But, but see, that's a, it's a radical concept for that. That's not how our culture prays anymore. You know, it's become very compartmentalized. You know, and you pray at this meal and then maybe say your prayer before you go to bed. And we're not picking on those things, but, but let's, let's see what we're doing in our lives and see if we can't do them better. So that's, that's point number two, radical praying. Point number three is about radical loving. Now, we, we've talked a lot about love in this series, in the series before, and in the series before, and the series before. Why is that? Because that's the main deal. Love God, love others. That's the motivation for what we're doing, and, and for all the things that we do. It's the motivation for our mission of one more. It's all about love. But Peter goes on in this thing, and he talks about a radical love, radical loving in 1 Peter 4, 8. And he says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. When you see that above all, I mean, that's, that's what's saying, listen, all these things are, are important, but, but over all these things, love well. I mean, that's, that's why you hear that so much here. It's a constant theme. Everything, you know, all, all these things in, in the Christian life are important, but, but if, if, you only, if you're just going to get one thing, get love. Get love. If, you might be bad at everything else, but if you love well, the other stuff will come. It just will. So, so above all, he says, love each other deeply, extravagantly. Love, love one another. And, and that this kind of love covers. See, love covers a multitude of sin. Radical love covers. Um, I don't know if you remember the story of Noah. Most of you have heard parts of it. Uh, and, and uh, Noah built an ark, right? You know that part? Big boat. Put animals on it. Flood came. Wiped out everybody but Noah, his three sons, and their daughters, and his wife, and all the animals he had. That's the Sunday school version that we teach our kids. If you read on in Genesis 9, you find out this part that after the flood goes away and, the, and the, the ark comes down and he lets all the animals out, Noah's a farmer. He, pants, he plants a vineyard, harvests the grapes, makes some wine, drinks it, gets drunk, gets naked, and passes out in a tent. Genesis chapter 9. It's in there. We don't share that with the kids in Sunday school. It's just not part of that story. <clears throat> Noah has three sons. 
one of them, whose name is Ham, he comes and he sees his father passed out naked in the tent, drunk. And he, you get the concept that he kind of chuckles, laughs about it, and he goes and tells his two brothers. Dad's in there, passed out naked in the tent. So the two brothers, upon hearing this news, they grab a garment and they stretch it between their shoulders. And they walk into the tent backwards so they don't see their father's nakedness and they cover it up. That's love. What the first son did was see this situation and instead of covering it, he gossiped about it. That's not love. But the sons, see the sons loved their dad deeply. They loved well. They covered his sin. Now, it, it doesn't make it right. And, and love doesn't enable sin, but love covers it. And it's something we really need to remember. That's something we really need to practice. If we're going to love well, we're going we're gonna to love like that. And, and that's an important part of life. You know, this is an important deal. Loving like this is a very, very important deal. We have to learn to love well. It's a radical idea, but it's, it covers. It believes the best. It doesn't gossip. It doesn't, doesn't take other people's misfortune and run with it. It covers it. Let it stop with you. You've been hearing me say that forever. If you hear something, let it stop with you. Cover it. Because that's what love does. Radical hospitality. You've heard that term here a lot. We believe in it. It's one of the dynamics of our mission. And, and what we do is part of being a force. 1 Peter 4.9, and that's the fourth point. 1 Peter 4.9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I like that. <laughs> we, we are grumblers sometimes, aren't we? Sometimes we'll be hospitable, but there's a lot of grumbling that goes on before it, during it, and after it in muffled breaths, right? <laughs> and Peter's saying, look, you need to offer hospitality, and it needs to come from a place in your heart that just is into it. That, that, and we talk about that here, and we talk about um, people's comfort. Um, and, and the reason I feel it's so important, especially for the church, is that, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, we have this radical message we've got to introduce to people, and if we don't make them comfortable first, they're never going to hear it. You know, if, if, if people come into a situation like this and they're uncomfortable, they're not listening. They're just thinking about when it's over. And so we, we need to look for opportunities in, in all areas of life, not just when we're here, but, but we're at to, to think about that and to incorporate it into our lives and to be hospitable. And, and all that really means is that you have a concern for people's comfort. And, and um, you know, the, the illustration I've used in the past is the Good Samaritan. And, and how, we, how hospitality ties into mercy. And how the, the Good Samaritan, seeing the, the, the wounded man on the side of the road who had been passed by, by the religious community twice, stopped and cared for him and went the extra mile for him and, and took him to the inn and paid because he, see, and, and he was the one who loved his neighbor well because of that mercy that he demonstrated. And, and that's incumbent upon us to become a people that are hospitable. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean you just have people in your home. It just means in life that when people, you're approachable. That, that, that when people 
interact with you, they leave feeling better, not worse. That, that it wasn't all about you. Do you get it? It was, it was different. That you weren't just trying to get something from them. You were, in fact, more concerned about them than about yourself. That's radical hospitality in, in, in living this thing out. It's what we're called to. We got the best deal in the universe already in Christ. Nothing's going to be better than what we got lined up. Nothing. And so while we're here, we're to be ambassadors, ministers, and, and living this kind of life out in front of people. We're also called to a radical generosity. You've heard that term, fifth point. 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now that's as radically generous, generous as you're going to hear. You should use whatever you've received from God to bless others. To be part of the way that you bless and serve others. To be part of the process. Part of the deal. Whatever gift you received. Whatever, whatever spiritual blessing you received. But whatever you received. You're to use it to, to bless and to serve others. And, and so, you know, that's... That's why we go out and do things like we did today, the car wash. A couple hours of our time. What a neat thing that was, though. That's why we have so many people coming in to help and do all the stuff that we do. And the other outreaches that we do. Let, let's, uh, let's figure out ways to touch people. I told you at that last car wash, uh, the one we did before, my favorite expression that came out of that still stuck with me. I didn't get one to replace it today. I was busy doing a lot of other things, so I didn't get to give the dollars out very often. Um, but that one guy said, I'm flabbergasted. Let's be so generous that people are flabbergasted constantly. I can't believe they do that. Part of the process. So we can get to this. Sixth point. Last point. The radical message that we have. 1 Peter 4.11. Peter says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Um, we will get opportunities in this radical life to present this radical message. Everybody will. Not just me. Not just preachers. Not just evangelists. Everyone. Every one of you will get opportunities to share some form of this radical message that we have about Jesus. And, the, you know, the, at its heart it, that he died on the cross for our sins. He defeated death and he rose again on the third day, which was evidenced by hundreds of people. And that's the heart of the gospel message. In that message is the, the, the opportunity and the power for us to get reconnected to God because of our sin. But, but you will have opportunities to share that message in your stories, in the way that you live out this life. As you live this, out life, this life out, you will get opportunities to share your story. It'll happen. It may not happen at the moment you want it to. It may not be when you want it to be, but it'll happen. People will eventually ask you questions. And you just need to be ready. Not with, you know, something pre-programmed, but just from your heart. And what I found to be most effective in touching people is what God did in your life. Just what he's, and what he's doing in your life. And what he's been doing lately. And, and things that have changed. Um, you know, I, I just think that's the, the part of the story. That's the legitimate part of the story that impacts people. Because people, most people at some sort of core level, know something's not right and their life is a big search and they're they're just looking and and yet they're they've been so sort of put off 
by the church because of our stereotypes and, and really because of how bad we've messed it up for so long. Because we, we, we lost that one thing. We stopped loving well. We really did. We, we just stopped. Um, and so we got to get that back. We got to love well. As we love well, we get our voice back. And we can have an impact again. And so, so all this is happening. But, but people, most people know something's not quite right. And they, they just need to be loved back into the truth. So they can have a relationship with God. That's the radical message that we present. That there's a way back. That there's something. Yeah, there, you are right. You're missing it. There's something you're missing. And there's a way back in Christ. And so we have opportunities to present that message as we live this life. So think about that. Radical praying, radical loving, radical hospitality, radical generosity, radical message. All of those things are components of the radical life that we're being called to. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. If you need anything, you can call us, write us, let us know. We'll see what we can do. And uh, we're glad that you spent time with us today. We're going to go ahead and close with prayer here. And so you guys can shut the video down. Let's pray.